What is up, everybody, ladies, gentlemen, welcome to the Breathing Air podcast, where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. I'm your host, Mason Bendigo, and thank y'all for tuning in to another episode. Today, we have Sterling Thomas. Sterling was someone who I met later in my college career, but someone who I always knew about. Sterling went through a serious spinal cord injury when he was playing football, and he was at Linderwood slightly before I was, so we didn't actually play together, but his jersey, number 27, always sat in a corner locker, and I always knew the story of Sterling, and we talk about this, but every time I saw that jersey, it reminded me that I can't take anything for granted. I can't take any play for granted. It gave me that extra kick in the butt, and Really, Sterling motivated me in a certain way that he didn't even know. And, you know, that kind of made me think, who am I motivating that I don't even know? Who are you motivating that you don't even know? People watch and people look at you. And I think Sterling is a great example of this, you know, going through a traumatic injury like he did and then still being able to have the hope, the perseverance, the passion to push on with life and to better himself every single day and to keep pushing towards those goals. As always, if you haven't already, go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a comment, and follow us at Breathing Air Podcast on Instagram, at capital B-A underscore podcast nine five on Twitter, or go hit the like button on our new Facebook page, Breathing Air Podcast. I'm always updating and keeping things fresh. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Borderline Clothing and Supply are great sponsors over there at Borderline. Borderline is a brand for the trendsetters, the go-getters, hikers, outdoorsmen, boys and girls alike. Even if you're just going out with some friends this summer, they have some really cool gear and you should definitely go check them out. They try and promote a healthy and go after what you love lifestyle, which I absolutely love. And not only do they have great products, which I would never back a company that I don't believe in or that I don't think has great products, but also their mission. And their mission is something that is bigger than all of this. With every single product that is bought from Borderline, they donate 10 meals to the local food bank and they've already donated over 200,000 meals in their lifespan so far. So Great company, great products, very all-natural, very clean, environmentally friendly, and also great cause. So definitely go check them out, borderlineclothingandsupply.com or on socials, Borderline Clothing Supply at Borderline Clothing Supply or Borderline Clothing and Supply everywhere, every moment, Borderline. Without further ado, I'm pumped for y'all to hear this one, Sterling Thomas. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Breathe and Air podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, 
Sterling Thomas is on the show today. What's up, brother? Thank you for coming on. Oh, not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how's everything been, you know, lately? I know it's kind of crazy times. We're all, we're all working through this together. So how you been? What, what's been going on that in the day-to-day lately? I mean, honestly, um, I probably benefited a little bit from the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, everything going on. Um, so I just graduated last December, and uh, I was kind of pressured to look for a job and things like that. But with the job market being saturated with people losing jobs and, uh, you know, business closing, it's been kind of like a relief for me because I, I haven't really felt pressured to get a job. So uh, I've just been, uh, you know, working out, just keep my body physically ready and trying to like mentally prepare myself for the future. Right, for sure. What, what, what have you been looking at? Like what kind of degree did you get? I got a degree in business administration and got a couple minors in uh, business management and sports management. Okay. So, I mean, I was looking to get into sports, yeah. but, uh, sports isn't really happening right now. So probably just, you know, look for a job in business or yeah. sales or something like that for now. Yeah. It's a sad, it's a sad time without sport. It's weird because we're so used to it and then we've already kind of gotten used to this. So we're like, where's, where are the sports at other than these documentaries that they're coming out with? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I just I try to watch some of the, the reruns. I mean, some I haven't seen, so they can be a little exciting. But then I just like end up turning on my Xbox and throwing like FIFA 2K, just watching the computers go at it, like filling for those sports. Yeah, that's that's the desperate times right there. If you're turning, it really on, is. If you're turning on 2K and watching them go at it, that is desperate. <laughs> that's that that is a call that we need sports back right there. What's uh so was. Obviously, you played football growing up in high school and then at Lindenwood a little bit, but what was, like, your favorite growing up? Was it always football? Uh, so, the first part we played was soccer. And being in Oklahoma, uh, football was just a sport to play. You know, everyone it would go out every Friday night to watch the high school, to, high school teams play. So, uh, when I got that little taste of that, I was like, man, this is something I want to do. Um, yeah, football's it. Like, I just want to focus on football. I like entertain other sports for a little while, but football is definitely what I want to do. And then after my injury, um, I kind of revisited soccer, um, watching the games and, um, you know, being a little more involved in that. So um, I have to say now, nowadays, soccer is definitely my favorite sport. Yeah. It's, it's something that I never got into. I grew up in the South, so I didn't even, I don't even remember playing soccer as a little kid. I really don't think I even ever played soccer, but as I got older and started watching some of those guys, there's some serious stamina athletes, which I totally respect because that's not my forte at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, part of what made me a good football player back in the day was being able to play soccer and just keep running. Years of playing football. So just running up and down the field um, every game, like that, it really helped me play, play soccer before that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard a lot of football players say that, you know, soccer really helped my agility. It really helped me change direction and obviously conditioning. Um, all oh, yeah, of definitely. That's why the argument for me of it's like multi-sport athlete versus, hey, let me specialize in this. Because I know that that's an argument that's on the forefront in sports a lot, especially today when you have younger kids are like, some coaches are saying, no, you should 
focus on one sport, focus on this sport, specialize here. But I think there's so many different things that you can take from each sport that, you know, feed into whichever you end up pursuing. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, even I played baseball for quite a while and just my hand-eye coordination helped me catch the football and, and then run. So yeah, I mean, any sport you play will definitely carry over to something else. Right. So growing up in Oklahoma, what did you, what position did you play? Uh, so back in little league, I was running back and then uh, junior high middle or yeah, junior high I played receiver defensive back. Uh, high school, I played defensive back all throughout. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I was doing a little research, saw that y'all won three state championships while you were there. Yes, we did. So I have three state championship rings. Uh, they don't mean anything now, but it was cool back back when it happened. <laughs> right, it felt like the best thing in the world at the time, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. Just being able to go out there and uh, play for the community, play play in front of the state. Uh, it was a great feeling. Is it a big football town where you're from? Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, the school I went to, Union High School, uh, we have actually had a rival, uh, Jinx, it's about like across the river from us, we like to say. And uh, it was it got national credibility. Um, so there's a, I think it's a documentary that um, I'm not sure if HBO or the NFL did it a while back. But it's a documentary that went out all the way, um, just talking about the rivalship. Because there's, <clears throat> there's a time where, you know, we play, play each other twice a year. There's there'd be that one given game beginning of the season, and whoever win that, won that would end up losing in the state championship because it, it'd be like us two going out in the state championship because we're just the two best teams in the state every year. Yeah. So um, whoever won that first game would usually win, would lose the state, which was kind of weird. But it's actually my senior year we actually uh, ended that, so we won the first game and also won the last game later in the season. So that was that was pretty cool to do. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you have two really even teams that just beat each other up. We saw that too, where it's like you may have had a decent road in the playoffs and then you have this one team that's really, really tough and they just give you a run for your money. And then you may play a team the next round that's not as good, but because you're so beat up and exhausted from the game before, then you might come up short. Yeah, it can happen, definitely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how Lindenwood – got a hold of you kind of like what was that process like the recruitment process coach ross was still there right yeah coach ross was there uh so it's, it's kind of funny how it happened because they were one of the first schools to contact me and they're like yeah we're in st louis and they're actually uh the furthest from me it's about six hours and i was looking well, three hours was the furthest i wanted to go and so i was looking at some other schools and they're the first contact me and uh i was like you know i'm looking at somewhere a little closer to home but um i'll let you know and it seemed like every week the recruit uh, coach that was recruiting me called me every week just trying to see you know, what's going on like where i was in the recruiting process and i told him i was looking at these schools he's like all right well um you know we're still interested just just let us know um and i looked at some other schools and uh i liked them you know i, I could see myself being there but you know some some something was a little off and I thought I was going to go to uh, – I actually had committed to Evangel Christian. It was just, like, right in Springfield, about three hours away. It's like, right where I wanted to go. And I told uh, the crew at the time, and he's like, you know what? 
just just come up. I'm, I promise you, if you come up, you're gonna fall in love with the campus. If you're gonna want to be here, like you know, we're we're not gonna let you know another school beat us out. So just, just take a visit, and we can go from there. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. So you know, they got me out there, and sure enough, went to campus. I was like, wow, this is the best campus I've taken a visit to. Uh, he was right. Fell in love with it, and so the last visit I took. And the day right before signing day, I made a decision to um, pursue Linwood. Yeah, it was what that's kind of similar to my story. It was one of those things where I had been looking at other places and and they were obviously persistent and said, hey, come check it out. Check it out. Like, come take an official visit. And when I did, you know, I was from St. Louis at the time. I had went to high school there. Uh, I'd only lived there for about four years. It's not where I grew up, but I had heard of Lindenwood. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'll go take this fun official visit, you know, go hang out with the guys, see the campus, get all the good food and have a good time. And then uh, I got there and I was like, these facilities, this campus, the guys on the team, the coaching staff at the time, all that was just, it was, uh, it really surprised me how great it was. And I ended up committing like pretty shortly after that. So it's crazy how that works where it's just one of those schools that kind of fits with you know what you're looking for say so you you've heard about it before see i didn't hear anything i didn't know anything about it right knew this coach was trying to get me out there and i was like it's kind of far to go to a place like i don't know anything about so and that was like something i was kind of a uh, for of and then another thing too was you know when i was in high school we had access to you know so many great facilities and a lot of guys leave high school and they'd go to like a D2 school and they wouldn't have those kind of facilities, but going to Lindenwood was like, you know, just like right there with where I was from. So that's, that's something that, uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to go there. Right. So you get to Lindenwood and you get some playing time as a freshman year. Obviously you had this career ending injury that happened. And if you don't mind kind of talking us through, you know, what you remember about that time. Man, I mean, I don't think about it often, but it, it's just, a, it's a crazy story because it's like, it, it was meant to happen. Like, there was nothing I can do. Um, you know, I, I try to like play back, well, if I did this, because it wasn't under my control. Uh, so basically, uh, yeah, I was on a speed package that we had uh, for defense and um, we weren't needing that for the team we were playing. So I, didn't, I wasn't playing much that game. And Pierre Nazir, he was uh, on the starting corners then and uh he i just remember his he died oh it popped something it was something weird like his bone was popping out his elbow or something like that and he needed to be taken out for a little bit of time to get that fixed get it looked at and like pop back into place i i wasn't like sure it's was, it was kind of funny because i kind of like went into this uh this kind of tunnel vision thing it's like everything i saw him and then one of my uh, teammates at the time came up to me and said, hey, did you see Pierre's arm? And I was like, yeah, it was crazy. And then next thing I know, like, coaches yelled my name, like, Sterling, get in. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, like, I was, like, trying to, like, process what was going on. Yeah. And uh, so I go in there for the play. Um, and then the play starts, ball gets thrown to the other side of the field. So as a corner being on the other side, I, you know, I'm looking to pursue – uh, run the ball down and the receiver cuts it back in my direction so he's coming at me and I'm sitting here thinking um, do I want to like chuck my helmet on the ball cause a fumble or just go for his legs get the sure tackle so 
Uh, that's something I was like processing at the time. And um, I was like, all right, well, I guess let's make the tackle. I'm not taking any risk. And um, next thing I know, I was just on the ground. And they said I was conscious, but it's, it felt like I was had just woken up in my bed. I was wondering, I was like, why well, I'm on the field right now, why these bright lights shining in my face. Yeah. And uh trainer came out and asked me if I could like if I move anything. I was like, I mean, I wasn't really processing anything. I was just like wondering what where I was. It's like why am I on the field right now? But um and so I know they put me on the stretcher and I'm always in the hospital, but I kind of knew what happened um without seeing the video. And the video kind of confirmed what happened. Right. Because I saw that I was going for the tackle and before the collision happened. The receiver that I was actually in front of was trying to make a trying to make a block, and uh, he pushed me as I was going for the tackle. So my head dropped, and I was the impact was into the other receivers, the ball carrier's legs, and so it just hit wrong. And that's why I said it, it just happened for a reason because you know from that that push, that block, that blocked me into the receiver. Like there's really nothing I can do to you know have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you at that point, you know, you're going to the hospital and you kind of regain a little consciousness. Are you thinking, man, I just got a really bad concussion or are you knowing that, Hey, this may be something worse. I just woke up and I was, so my first finger I ever got was in high school, you know, where you have an impact on your, your neck and the whole, your whole side is just like, uh, kind of tingly. So that was the first, I had it back like just the season before. So I thought that's what I had. I was just thought, well, the guy was bigger, it's, you know, we're going faster. So it's just more severe than it was back then. And um, it wasn't until, like, I was thinking I was going to like be back at practice in a few weeks. Like my body just needed time to recover. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like two weeks later, I had actually shipped off into uh, Atlanta for recovery. And they're like, well, you have a spinal cord injury and you'll be needing a wheelchair to get around. That's when it hit me. I was like, what? Like, no, there's no way that that's, that's possible. Like that should have happened to me, but you know, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. So at that moment when it's like, okay, you have a spinal cord injury as well. You're going to need a wheelchair. What is going through your mind at that time? Like what, what is the thought process there? If there is any, I'm just thinking like, this isn't my life. Like I'm not going to need that chair. Um, I mean, you can bring it, but I'm not going to need it. Like, I'm going to walk out of here. And so, I mean, it's just like, it hit me hard. I was like, kind of trying to process it and trying to like, you know, tell myself like, this isn't going to be my life. Like, there's no way I'm about to be in this wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I mean, I kind of still had that mindset. Like, I'm still, you know, working to uh, be able to walk again. But, you know, then, I mean, it was just so many emotions come across. Like, I was, I was angry that they, that they thought that, that they, you know, I kind of felt like they um, didn't want to help me get to that point to walk again. It was just like, we're going to have you in this chair and, you know, that, that's it. Right. So once you got out and you kind of started realizing, okay, this is the reality of the situation. Like you said, it was something that you couldn't control. It was out of your control and you decided, all right, this is the situation I'm in. I know that you talk a lot about, you know, your podcast that you had and at Lindenwood was called athlete perspective and you obviously grew up an athlete. So how has being an athlete and that shaped the way that you have, you know, 
taking steps towards your ultimate goal of being able to walk again or being able to do whatever you want to do? How has that athletic background or, or people in your life pushed you forward to get to that goal? Man, there's, I mean, honestly, I just feel like everything that happened in my life was leading, leading up to this moment where, you know, I can just look back and see where I've been, um, see the people who's been with me, supporting me this whole time, and um, just get going again. Because, I mean, there's times where, I mean, I almost quit football twice in my past. Uh, I think it was like freshman year, and then it was my um, junior year. I was, you know, looking to see if I wanted to pursue track or, um, you know, maybe even look at soccer game. Because I was, through my freshman year, I was, like, real small and probably, like, the smallest person on the football team. I was, like, kind of got discouraged because of that. Um, wasn't really the fastest either. So, I mean, it was just, like, kind of felt like, like dead weight a little bit. It was going to be real hard. I mean, the score I went to, we had um, one of the biggest teams in the, in the state. So, I was, like, competition's going to be – hard to knock out to you know, get the starting position. So like, is football really something I want to do? Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I just, I stayed with it, keep working, um, do my best and, uh, you know, try to impress the coaches in any way I could uh, work, outwork the person uh, that was next to me. And yeah, sure enough, I uh, was able to, you know, I gained a lot of speed my junior year, I want to say, just gained a lot of speed. Weight still wasn't there, but you know, I was one of the fastest people on the team. So, um, Going through that and just realizing that, um, you know, not to give up, uh, just, you know, to this has brought me to this point where I just want to keep keep going, uh, keep my faith, and just know that you know God has a, a plan for me, and got trust Him and trust myself. Yeah, absolutely, He does, and I I love how you you know have realized that like, hey, this is this is something that. I am now a situation that I'm now in and I need to make the most of it. And I think you've done that. Um, for example, you know, uh, push pray foundation. So the Sterling Thomas push pray foundation, which obviously was created by you. Give me a little bit of background on, on this foundation and how it came to be. So push, push pray was something that, um, I came up with, Cause I was just, you know, going through, I was actually at the mall at the time with a friend and we were just like rolling and, uh, I was thinking of like a t-shirt for a fundraiser and I was like, I wanted it to be universal, you know, anyone could say it and can benefit from it. And I was like, it has to be something, you know, that I'm doing, that I'm doing every day and it's kind of catchy. And so I was like, what am I doing right now? And I was like, I'm pushing. Okay. And I was like, I mean, I, I pray every day all the time. So, like, push, push, pray. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I use it to, you know, the two pushes, push myself mentally and push myself physically and then just praying. And I started, I, I started push, push, pray because going through rehab, uh, I met a lot of people who they couldn't afford all of the care that they need, all the equipment they needed. But I was really blessed because when I was injured, I had – church family i had lindawood my high school um they all came together um they formed fundraisers or fundraising at games had the community people who didn't even know um i was a football player just uh, by word of mouth they had people in the community come together and like restaurants and uh, just different members you know come together and raise money for me and even uh 
the St. Louis Rams, who were in St. Louis at the time, that they even uh, came together and had a fundraiser for me. And I was very blessed by that. And knowing that I could go through rehab and get everything that I needed um, and I have to worry as much. I mean, there's still like some things that um, just that going through the process that, you know, take time and um, a lot of patience. But, you know, I had, you know, the, I guess you could say the, the good end, the good part of it, while others, you know, they're struggling to find the resources, to find uh, equipment, things like that. So I just want to be able to spread, you know, spread my blessing and help those people. Yeah. And I absolutely commend you for that. I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool to see you taking the situation that you're in and, and taking it as, Hey, this is my opportunity to make change and, and help people, you know, and I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I had rehab on, you know, ACLs a couple of times, obviously not fun, not, not a crazy recovery six months, but tell me a little bit about your recovery process as far as, you know, when you started rehabbing and you had this goal of like, Hey, I want to be able to get back to as close to as what I was before as I can. How, how did you start that? And kind of what were some of the things that, you know, helped push you along? Um, so when initially, um, you know, that was always my goal, but I also needed to be able to get well adapted to being in a wheelchair. Right. So I, you know, settled down and said, all right, well, this could be on life for a while. So I need to, you know, learn how to live again, just a little differently. I mean, a little more dramatic than that, but um, I had to learn how to live in a wheelchair, uh, learn how to dress myself, like even down to brush my teeth, how to learn to do that again, feed myself. And, uh, you know, once I got that going, you know, I, I you know, getting the full recovery in the background was, was still in the back of my head. And, you know, that's something that I just want to keep pursuing. So, as I did get used to my wheelchair, you know, I kept, uh, you know, trying to move my legs. I kept using electrical stimulation, um, working out and things like that. And then once I came home, uh, my mom, she's just looking at the next place to go, like more rehab places, more, re- more centers, um, things like that, that would have, you know, uh, some expertise in, in recovery. So I've been to, you know, Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, um, just to different rehab places to um, get that recovery. And it's kind of funny because every place I've been to, it's like they've helped me get, they help me progress. And then, you know, I move on to the next place and they help me progress more. Right. So um, I've been progressing, you know, every year, ever since my injury uh, from, you know, getting more hand movement to core movement to strengthening my muscles and things like that. And I'm actually going to a place that's in Atlanta and I think it's kind of funny because that's where I started. So I kind of feel like, you know, this will be the end. I'll be finishing up my rehab in Atlanta, um, regardless, like regardless if I'm walking or not, um, I'll be, I'm just gonna keep pursuing, uh, pursuing it in Atlanta. So. so are you wanting to look at jobs and stuff in Atlanta too? Um, I'm looking for jobs anywhere, really. Right. I just, I've just been to Atlanta, so I'd take a, a trip out there. Um, I was actually supposed to be there right now, but but COVID nineteen going on, uh, didn't want to take any risk and um, have to go out there. And most places are shut down anyway, so take a little break right now. Right. It's such a weird time, man. And you know, we thought that it was like 
we thought it was coming to an end slowly and all of a sudden it's like boom back up we may see everyone quarantining or on my side of things uh for medical sales with orthopedic surgeons they're considered elective cases you know something that hey you have a bad shoulder you can live with that for right now we don't want to risk and the main thing is is beds too obviously if you're using beds they're gonna have those patients be priority but i mean it's just it's just wild it's just wild man yeah i mean i did not know this but i was in a forum with people like with stock just like myself and uh, someone was from New York and they're saying, well, one, we're already like, we're more, um, I forgot what they call it. It's like, we, what was that? Can I cut out? Yeah, something like that. We have ongoing medical conditions already that could affect us if we were to get COVID. So um, it's like pretty serious for us. Yeah. And someone from New York was saying when they were having, um, when they were the, the hub for all the cases, uh, if someone with a spine cord injury actually went to the hospital, they would like put them on like below, like at the bottom of the list because they were less likely to recover from it. And then some people with spine cord injuries have their own ventilator that like they breathe through their neck. And they said if they went in there with that, having COVID, they would take their own personal ventilator from them and give it to someone who had better chance of recovering. And so I was just like, wow, that's, Wow. That's, yeah, that was terrible. Like, I couldn't believe I heard that. So, yeah, I'm sure for you, you were like, man, I gotta, I gotta be super safe now. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. I rarely leave the house at all. And yeah. I mean, I just started working out again. So, I'm kind of debating if I want to keep doing that. Right. As far as working out outside of the house, like in facility yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that is crazy to hear, honestly. Yeah. I'm sure it is even more so on your side. Wow. Yeah, I mean, luckily I'm not in New York. I mean, here in Oklahoma, I don't think we've had uh, problems where, you know, resources were slammed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, like, say I'm I'm good with that, but I'm not going to take any risks. So. Yeah, you, you got to – I mean, you just got to play it smart and you got to play it safe at that point. And it's yeah. it's just – it's crazy because we see it going down in other places, but here it seems like – it's spiked. I feel like a lot of the numbers, you got to pay attention to the specific numbers though. It's, I feel like the media can do one thing or another. Obviously it's a situation that, you know, one of those things again, that we can't really control it, but we can do our part in, you know, helping the situation as much as possible. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I've talked to, you know, different people, some of my peers who've had spinal cord injuries. It's kind of like, you know, we, we all agree that the, it's, the time that we're living in now is kind of like what happened when we were first injured and we were like stuck in the hospital and couldn't really go anywhere. And it's like, it's like that. It's that the whole world's going through it now. And so in a way, we're kind of prepared for it. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really cool analogy, honestly, because I feel like when you are alone and isolated, whether that be after an injury or at this time, you know, obviously two different circumstances, but just being alone and kind of being in isolation, being with your own thoughts, that's something that's uncomfortable to a lot of people. And it's it's kind of that thing where you have to look in the mirror and that's not always the most fun thing to look in the mirror, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So 
I'm sure that going through what you have already has built your mentality to something that is stronger than a lot of people could even imagine. So what, what is some things that, you know, some goals going ahead that you're saying like, Hey, once maybe this COVID stuff passes over, you know, you get a little job. Is there, is there any other things that you're wanting to pursue on your end as far as uh, the foundation or with, you know, I saw that you were doing some basketball and, you know, getting involved in that kind of stuff. Is there anything else athletically or business wise or anything along those lines that, you know, you're trying to pursue? Man, I just, there's so much, there's so much. I just want to keep myself busy because that's, uh, that's what's probably got me to this point. I just want to, you know, foundation-wise, I just want to help as many people I can. I want to be able to not only, like, provide them with equipment, but I want to, like, get to, I want to get so big to where we can fly someone across the country if you need to to get to a rehab facility. Um, that's something I was blessed with, so I want to get that big to where uh, we're able to do that. Uh, I also want to pursue public speaking. Um, I know that Public speaking was something I always originally wanted to do, um, but people have gotten in my head, and um, you know I've, I've done a little bit in the past. And just knowing that someone can benefit from something I can say, or just being being in front of someone and seeing or allowing people to see me on stage uh, in a wheelchair, you know, it, it gives people um, hope and inspiration. So uh, just having that ability, I feel like it's a blessing. So um, that's something I also want to pursue. And uh, athletically, you know. I know I still got that athlete mentality. Yeah. Um, basketball is no longer, I mean, that wasn't really something that I was passionate about, but there is wheelchair rugby that I just, I can't get enough of. It's, it's, okay. it's a fun sport. Explain, explain wheelchair rugby because for the listeners, we're recording on a Tuesday. Tomorrow we actually have Gio coming on and he played rugby at Lindenwood. He's from uh, South Africa. So we talk a little bit about rugby, but explain the rugby wheelchair style. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you're a football player and for some reason you get injured, wheelchair rugby is like the closest thing. Like it's, it's incredible how close you can get for someone in a wheelchair. It's like, I mean, you're, you're, so it's like a, just like regular rugby is a mixture of different sports. Right. Rugby is like a mixture of, uh, say, football, basketball, um, and hockey. You're, there's like four people on the court at one time. We play on a on a basketball court. Okay. And uh, there's four people on the court at the same time. Pretty much the objective is to get the ball across the line, kind of like a a touchdown. And while you're doing that, you have like your ball handlers, pretty much like your your you can say like a running backs of football, but you have your ball handlers and you have a picker uh, or blockers. But the picker's job is to pretty much make room for ball handlers. And so um, you're like just going and banging chairs, getting those getting those people open and things like that. Anyone can touch the ball, anyone can, can score. But, you know, you have basically your different positions. Um, it's, not, it's not too technical, but, I mean, if you just want to, have four guys just go out there and do whatever you can, but it's kind of like a little more technique, but incredible sport. I just love going, uh, banging chairs with people and that having that, those collisions, those impacts. And it's, uh, it's fun competing. Just having that ability to compete is, uh, just real fun. There's actually a movie 
our documentary called Murder Ball. It's mm-hmm. pretty popular. Um, any you know any athlete whoever gets injured is you know something that we have to really push on was watching that because um, if you want to compete you know ultra uh, rugby is definitely the way to go. Yeah, there's always going to be that competitive fire for guys like you or me or anybody who's played sports or anyone who's just a competitor, you know, and even in any circumstance, we're always going to have that fire in our belly. And I think it's cool, too, how you can still get, you know, like that physical contact. Because that's something that you can't really replicate. It's oh, no, yeah, like, I mean, just you get that adrenaline rush. And you're just like, let's let's do like, yeah. When I when I first so I had my first tournament back in February before all this happened, and I was like, I didn't want to stop because it was like pretty much. I mean, I so back in February it was seven years I was in wheelchair. I I had no kind of besides skydiving, I had no other kind of drilling rush. I mean, you can't go skydiving every weekend, but you know, there's sometimes there's tournaments, you know, or practice even. Just going to practice and being able to compete and bump chairs. I mean, it's just a incredible feeling. I loved it. How was skydiving? I mean, I've, that's something I've always wanted to do and I will do soon. But how was that experience? There's nothing in the world like it. Like, it's the greatest. So, um, when I went up in the plane, they opened the door and I fit out. And I was looking out over the world. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because those video games like Call of Duty or uh, those war games where you know you jump out of a helicopter or a plane or whatever and you're like parachuting down. It, it it felt or it looked like that. It looked exactly like that. Like when you like just stand over and you jump. It, it was exactly like that. And I was like, wow, those games got pretty good. But <laughs> um, you know, just falling, free falling out of the sky. I mean, you, you can't replicate that anywhere. And just the view, like seeing. You know everything. I mean, you couldn't like see people or anything, but just seeing the the land, and the landscape, and everything was it was an incredible feeling. Um, and then just getting that rush of falling uh, was was real fun. And then once they opened the parachute, and you're just kind of just floating there, it was just so peaceful. Like there's no sounds. Just maybe a slight breeze, and just seeing like the world. You know, you could see like as you got close to the ground, you could see cars go by or. Um, you know, things like that, but like, it's just, it's so peaceful, like, it's so calm, and um, it's one of the most incredible thing I've ever done in my life. Where did you jump at? Um, so, it was here in Oklahoma. Um, I definitely plan to do it again one day, but I want to go, like, somewhere like Dubai or something. Yeah. Do it there. Yeah, I definitely want to. I don't know if there's a weight limit, though. Is there a weight limit? I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure it's, like, something high, though. I mean, there is, obviously, but it's something I think it's like like three hundred, I was saying three hundred pounds. Yeah. So it's it's very attainable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to do it. I really have I I'm trying I'm gonna try and get my old man to go. <laughs> he probably he probably yeah, I mean, it was some it's my bucket list. And so I was like, you know what? It's actually my five year anniversary of my injury and I wanted to celebrate it somewhere. So I went skydiving and it's great. Man, I love that attitude. You said it was your five-year anniversary and you wanted to celebrate it. And that's – I uh, – when I got there, you had already graduated and you had been, been gone from, from the team and everything. But you always had – we always had your jersey there. And I came in 20 
2014, 2015, 2014, 2014. Um, and so, you know, I'd always your Jersey there and, and we met a while back, but I'd always seen your Jersey there and always knew the story. And I just thought how cool it was that we kept that tradition alive. And like, even remembering like that, Hey, like this, this last, this could be my last game. Like this could be my last game. And that there was something even without, you know, talking to you every day or seeing you every day, whenever I walked past your locker and saw 27, I knew that I needed to take advantage of every single moment that I have. And, you know, like you said, on your, you want to do public speaking or you want to do this and you're celebrating your fifth anniversary. It's the mindset that you're taking into that. That is powerful and inspirational to people, you know, before they even hear your story. And I love how you got to come and see the transition too to coach uh, Stuger and that staff as well. So I just love how you're staying a part of the, uh, of the team. And I know that Stug and them will keep, keep your jersey there because it really is just powerful to you know keep that alive and keep keep what you stand for alive and as you continue to you know grow and you know push forward your message and I'm, I'm all here for it I love it anytime I start feeling sorry for myself I don't want to go to practice today I had a long day uh, walk past your locker nope all right time to kick it in time to kick it in you know so you inspired me and pushed me even without you knowing. And that's, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't get it sometimes. It's like people tell me that I'm just like, I'm just living my life. You know, I'm not like, you know, trying to do anything, uh, you know, major. I'm just, you know, taking one day at a time and I'll be lying if, it, if I said I didn't have any hard days, but oh yeah, um, I just get this, this idea that God has brought me to this, this situation for a reason and I can help somebody from what I go through. I can help someone who's um, going through something similar for us. That's just where I like to look at it. Absolutely. And I've, I've tried to take a similar approach with, you know, my mission on not only with the show, but just on earth as far as looking outside of yourself and saying, how can I help somebody else? Like, how can I be of service to somebody else? How can I maybe say some small thing that brightens somebody else's day or, uh, you know, be an example for somebody to help push them to do something they wouldn't or motivate them to go to the gym or, you know, make amends with that person they've been holding a grudge with or whatever it may be. We all go through different struggles. But when you look at life outside of yourself, you yeah feeling so much better about yourself and and a lot of those things and that ego kind of sheds off and things like that just a lot of stuff starts becoming more clear and it's weird how it works that way it's almost you would think it would be reverse the reverse way right but it really is uh it really is crazy how that works whenever you just start focusing on other things and and then your life slowly starts to fade into what it's supposed to be yeah, it's funny because it seems like the more I start thinking about myself of what I need to do or like what I want, that's like just brings on more stress to myself. And my life is more stressful when I'm, I'm focused on, you know, what I want to do for myself. Uh, the first time I actually got the feeling of helping someone was, I was actually, it's like one of my, it's like my last week, an inpatient, and I was going to outpatient. 
and there is a young man around my age who was like, it was his first week there. And a therapist asked me if I could go talk to him and kind of encourage him or just say something to him that amount of things can be okay. And I don't know what I said. You know, I just went in, just kind of talked to him. I guess him seeing someone else young in a wheelchair kind of like um, opened his eyes, like made him more open to it. But there's therapist came up to me the next day. I was like, I don't know what you said to him, but he just was, you know, way more active. And uh, he just like, wanted he seemed like he wanted to be there instead of kind of just like going through the motions and um when she told me that i was like wow that i'm I'm glad you know i could just make a difference in his life and um help him that way and it's just like one of the greatest feelings yeah it really is it's it's kind of like when you're trying to explain something to somebody that doesn't get it whether that's a math problem or you know something that you know and you're trying to give the knowledge Mm -hmm. so you're kind of explaining this is how you do it it could be a football player you know, I could be the quarterback saying, hey, this is the route that you're running. This guy's doing this or offensive lineman. Hey, this is how your blocking scheme looks by me explaining that to somebody else. Right. I'm helping them out and I'm explaining it at the same time. It's reinforcement for me and it's helping me, which is it's the same thing. When you're helping other people, it's like you're getting so much back and you're helping this person. So. I know it sounds like a simple concept, but a lot of people can't grasp that. And it's, yeah, it's very rewarding. Like you said, I'm sure when you heard back from that therapist that you put so much pep in that, in that kid's step that that made you feel better and want to push harder towards your goals and what you wanted to attain. It's glad. I mean, it's incredible hearing you say this because it's stuff like I'm thinking like, it was like, man, like, I feel like that's what life is about. It's just like putting yourself out there for other people and to hear you like say, like, tell me how I'm feeling back to me because you experience the same thing. It's just like incredible to hear. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, it's all about surrounding. It's all about surrounding yourself with like-minded people too, who push, push Mm -hmm. you. Oh, it's, it's easy to get caught up in uh, the woe is me or, uh, you know, being around people who may not pour into your life in a positive way. And I've been there. I'm sure you have. And I'm sure everyone listening has been around those type of people. So we can both attest that from a football team's standpoint, you know, there's nothing like it. You got a hundred brothers and, you know, they're all your boys coming from all different backgrounds. And I've said this before. I wish the world could just take that, you know, football locker room, you know, all differences aside, it doesn't matter what color you are, where you came from, if you were homeless, you know, I've met so many guys throughout the time in school and just playing sports in general with so many different stories and backgrounds. So, but at the end of the day, when you walk across, whether it's, you know, the diamond or the basketball court or the field, especially the football field, you know, it's, we have one mission and that's to win and that's to be together. And if we could all just take that stance as a nation, we could all take that stance, you know, as human beings for, you know, our fellow Americans and fellow humans, it it would just be a whole lot better, you know? Definitely. Sports is so diverse. It doesn't matter. Sports, sports doesn't discriminate. It's kind of like spinal cord injuries. Spinal cord injuries don't discriminate. They can happen to anybody. And so when you get, you know, these people who are going through the same thing, no matter uh, what they were before or what they did before, um, it's just 
I guess it's just that that connection. So I mean, um, one thing I try to do is no matter who I'm talking to, I was always trying to find a connection, whether we can talk about sports or uh, we can talk about God or we can talk about finance or whatever. Just always just trying to find that connection to where you can um, be at the same level as someone. I think is you know like the key to really um, having that feeling of equality. Right. How has how has your faith been changed during this time? Because I know a lot of times, uh, you know, a crazy injury like this or a life-altering instance could either build your faith or break your faith. And obviously, seen it go both ways. So it, for you, it seems like it's built your faith and made you even stronger. So tell me, like, the thought process through that. Did you struggle with it at first? Were you like, man, like, why is this happening to me? What did I do here? Or did you always take the stance of, hey, this is my path. This is my plan. This is what was meant to happen. Uh, I mean, I've been all over the spectrum. Yeah. It was in the beginning, it was definitely really hard because I just, I couldn't believe like, I'm like, Lord, like I, you know, I was in college, you know, I was you know, trying to make myself better. Wasn't like doing drugs or, you know, doing something that I would regret. You know, I was doing something I love and you allow this to happen to me. And so, um, I mean, it was, it was a process. It was, you know, a lot of things going through my head. There was, there's a fly, sorry, there's like a fly, like. Oh, you good. Um, but yeah, it's it definitely a process. I mean, there's, I guess it was like a, the five stages of grieving that I had to go through. It was like, you know, getting to the acceptance, you know, moving forward and just trying to grow from it. And finally, when I, you know, when I went that, when I went through that, and um, I realized that, okay, well, this can be uh, a big stepping stone for me and I can, I can grow from this. And then I realized I can help other people from doing it. Um, it, it got easier. And I mean, it, it hasn't just got easier and easier. You know, I've had ups and downs and um, it's, it's hard, you know, getting on social media, seeing um, a lot of peers, you know, doing all these things that um, I would like to be doing or going to these places I like to be going. But, you know, there's, you know, certain tasks that, you know, God asks us to handle. I mean, there's so many stories in the Bible that um, I can just reflect on of, you know, people not doing what they wanted to do, but doing what God asked them to do. And that's just something that I feel like, um, you know, I was called to do. I, you know, I try to um, work, work the things I want in there some, somewhere from a little bit, but um, ultimately I'm just, you know, got to submit to God's plan and, you know, trust him. Yeah, that's extremely powerful, man. It really is. I, I've always believed that, you know, there is an ultimate plan. There's, there's an ultimate plan and an ultimate purpose for everybody's life. Um, no matter, you know, what kind of road it takes to get there. I really believe that 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 is something that's true and that's that's something that I lean on every day you know like I don't always have it figured out no one always has it figured out and you know especially when you're a young adult growing up trying to find your way trying to figure out who you want to be trying to get through certain things in life there's a lot of easy ways to get pulled down and social media like you said I mean feeling like I'm missing out on this or this person's here and this person's there and I'm not doing this. What am I doing wrong? But 
always for me, it's been, uh, you know, a solid pillar to lean on that. Hey, like there is an ultimate plan for my life. No matter if I feel like this is what I had drawn up in my head, (laughs) that there is a plan because really, if I look back and say, if all the ideas that I had, let's think of how many of them turned out that great. (laughs) Like, some of them did. There's a lot of times I thought this is a good idea and it definitely wasn't a good idea. <laughs> so yeah. life is exactly the same, man. It is. Yeah. I mean, I had, I was going, going to my freshman year, had all these expectations for my life where right, four years from now, I'm going to get this job, get this experience under my belt and then um, either work my way up or end up somewhere. I feel like it's, a, it's, I'm on a different path, but in in the end, I could you know end up leading in that direction of my own business one day. But um, I also think think about the things that I'm able to do that I would not have been able to do had my injury not happened, like helping other people and having being able to have a voice that people would want to listen to because um, they see the struggles that you know I go through day in day out and are surprised by how I'm handling it. So um, just being able to, you know, have that positive impact on other people um, just, just kind of gives me that affirmation that, you know, everything's going to be okay and I'm on the right track. Absolutely. So there's a question that I love to ask, and it is, what is your definition of success? My definition of success means it, it, it wavers from place to place, I got to say. But um, ultimately, my success, if I, at the end of the day, if I were to grow old and look back at my life and um, how I would recognize success would be um, who I was able to help and um, how have I provided for my family. So I want to be able to say that you know, I don't want to be able to look back and say that because of this, this person um, was able to progress in life. I could bring them out of a negative place or, uh, yeah, I could bring them out of a negative place and um, give them a more positive outlook on life or um, I can be able to do, I, I can do something for them that would make them feel as they were heroes in their own life. I don't want to think that, you know, what I have around me, the accumulation of things, what made me successful, I think that we're not here for um, what Earth can provide for us, but what we can provide for the people on Earth. So um, I want to be successful in that way of helping others. And also, just can't forget about my family, man. I just gotta, I want to, sometimes I feel like a burden. Because there's, you know, there's so much that, um, you know, I could, I need help with around the house. So, um, you know, I just want to be able to produce for my family like they've been producing for me and not just feel like, you know, I'm taking in everything and not being able to give back. So that's, that's, yeah, that's powerful, man. It really is. And 
<clears throat> I know it may feel like it at times, but man, you, you really are helping so many people like without you even knowing, you didn't even know the impact you made on me or the rest of the guys or the guys that will continue to go through that locker room. Or, you know, like you said, the, the people that you've talked to or that have heard your story and been inspired by it. So continue to fight the good fight, man. I know it's not always easy. Obviously I can never be, you know, in your position and understand what that's like at this point. But Man, I can say that you have been an inspiration, and I know that you will continue to be an inspiration. So keep at it, man. I'm going to hit you with a speed round. So what we do here is I'm just going to throw out a bunch of questions, like fun questions, just whatever whatever I think of. I'm just going to throw out some questions. Just answer as quick as you can. Don't have to be one word. You can, you can go off on the beaten path a little bit. All right, so favorite video game. What is it? FIFA. 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 Okay. I played a lot of FIFA back in college. We, we used to play a lot of FIFA. I was pretty nice, but we played oh, a lot too. You ever played Chell? What was that? NHL? No, I haven't. I like it. It's, it's kind of like FIFA, uh, but at the same time, it's closer and you can like mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's fun. We used to get some like matches going back at Lindenwood. I have to check that out because FIFA this this last year has really grinded my gears. So I just like you know I took it out of the Xbox. I'm not, I'm selling on eBay right now because I just can't handle it anymore. Is it? I've I saw some stuff online that was saying that Xbox was having issues. Some guys were like, "I'm done with this Xbox." Blah, blah, blah. Is is it like online? Oh yeah, that that was. That might that might have some of the issues. Like I was flag out for no reason, but I mean the gameplay issues. Like, like I don't understand how I could be, you know, so successful a few games and I it's like I lose as many games as I win, and so I got to a hundred wins. I was like, you know, what? I'm done. I'm done putting myself through this. Uh, yeah, I uh, worth it. Yeah, I used to play Call of Duty like way back high school and stuff when I had time to play video games. Doesn't feel like I do anymore, but um, I got on like a few years or like in, even in college or like a little bit out of college and just got murdered. <laughs> like I, I was so bad. I played one game. I like controller across the room. I was like, I'm never playing this shit again. I'm, the, I'm done. <laughs> it just made me so mad. I was like, I can't do this. Okay. Uh, favorite color silver oh silver so why silver? silver raiders fan little raiders no so my name is sterling so sterling silver and silver is a special color to me because it can look dull sometimes but when the light hits it right it shines oh i love that that's dope i haven't heard that one I like- okay favorite food all right don't judge me I'm gonna sound real bougie, but it's it's lobster. Lobster. That's, lobster. That's good stuff. <laughs> Very good. Where's your favorite place to get lobster from? Um nowhere in Oklahoma, I'll tell you that. I like go over east. It's the worst thing to like if you're living in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. So I mean I have to settle for red lobster where I'm here, but usually when I'm going out of town somewhere, I always find a nice seafood seafood restaurant over east. So I was about to say East Coast. My parents live oh. in Connecticut now, and 
they moved up there for my dad's job. And when I went and visited one time, we went up to Maine and Beth yeah. lobster I've ever had hands down, but it's just cause you know, they it's, that's where they are. They're all East coast. Yeah, they take them out of the water and slap them on your plate. <laughs> Literally they just take them out. It's, it was so good. Okay. Um, let's see. You already know favorite sport. All right. Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Um, can I just say like the Avengers, the whole Avengers uh, saga, like all those movies, those are hands down Avengers. If I would say my favorite uh, superhero would be Iron Man. Iron Man? Okay. My favorite Avenger, yeah. He's dope. I like Iron Man. Stark, right? Rob Stark? Yeah. See, there's so many of those Marvel movies. I feel like at one point they were making one every other week. I saw a commercial for a Marvel movie. So I actually watched all of them during this quarantine. I was like, I'm going to, from the beginning, from like back, like the first one was like back in 07, I believe, to this last one, I just sat down and like watched them, like watch one every day. That's sweet though. I'm, I'm sure that was cool. I, I did that for a little bit with the Star Wars movies. I, I was a Star Wars geek back in the day. I love it. Yeah, I did that a couple of years ago when they started releasing the new ones. I went back and watched them all again. Yeah, I really like the new one that they just – well, the the last one that came out, I guess, was good. Um, okay, let's see. Favorite music? Favorite music, hip-hop, R&B. Artist? Top three. Give me a top three. I know it's hard to pick a favorite artist. Okay, uh, top three artists. I'm going to say I'm going to have to go with Drake, uh, Lil Uzi Vert, and a local artist. He had a Tulsa, T-Mace. T- what is it, T-Mace? T Mace. He's an R and B artist from the nine one eight. The nine one eight. I wanna have to check him out. Okay. R and B. I like a little R and B. All right, let's see. Uh favorite drink. Favorite drink. Uh have you heard of Joan Soda? Yeah. Yeah. Bu- bubblegum. Blue bubblegum. Blue bubblegum. Blue bubblegum. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I bet you that leaves you looking like a smurf after you drink that. <laughs> Uh, it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. Blue bubble gum. I used to be a big cream soda guy. I haven't. Oh. Dri- yeah, I love cream soda. That was a phase for me. It was, it was a phase. It was definitely yeah. a phase. But that's Jones, right? Jones has like cream soda and root. Yeah, they do have. They do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to try that blue bubble gum. Um, favorite holiday? Hmm. I've always said Thanksgiving. Because you get the Christmas food without the stress stressfulness of the presents. <laughs> Solid. Okay. Well, let's see, man. That's that's about it for this speed round. Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with? Obviously, man, you've you've definitely, you know, brightened my day with, you know, the wisdom that you have and what you've been through. So is there anything that you want to leave the audience with to take with them on their day-to-day? Um, you know, one thing I've been kind of pushing push for right now is uh, just help people realize where, where they're at now is not where they're always going to be, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually. You can either go in a negative direction or you can take a positive. I feel like that's something you do have control over is how you allow yourself to progress. Um, Oh, yeah, shout out to Push for Spray, Push for Spray Foundation. If you uh, want more information on that, our website is www.pushforspray.org. 
also on Instagram, Facebook. Um, and shout out to you. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, I mean, you seem like you you got to figure it out. I mean, I'm sure you're still figuring things out, but I mean, for the most part, you got that that positive mentality and just know the key of helping others. So, I mean, yeah, hats off to you. I appreciate that, and I'll definitely, you know, put that out there. Push, push, pray. Foundation, uh, keep pushing that, and you know, help that thrive as much as possible. Because I, I love your message and you know, love what you stand for. So I appreciate you coming on, man. It means a lot. And I'm super excited to see all of the great things that you continue to do. As always, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Breathing Air podcast. Share it with your friends if you enjoyed it and go leave a comment on whatever platform that you are consuming on. Thank you so much. Go follow us on our socials on Instagram at Breathing Air Podcast. If there's anything that you would like to hear about, any questions that you have for me or anyone that you think would be a great guest, I'm always here for recommendations. So just shoot me a DM or reach out to me any way possible. And I'm more than happy to talk to you. So have a great rest of your week and have a badass BA Wednesday.